Welcome to the Need More Buffs podcast, the unofficial Light Seekers podcast sponsored by DeliveryCrab.com. DeliveryCrab.com, your number one source for Light Seekers cards and three points of healing. Welcome back, Seekers, to episode 40 of Need More Buffs. I'm your host, Matt Sonnenberg. On this week's episode, we'll be bringing back a very popular guest to talk about not only the events that happened at Gen Con, but some of the events that have been happening on your phone, such as the digital TCG being released. But before we dive into that, I want to take a minute to remind everybody in the Wisconsin and Boston areas, we have tournaments coming up this month. I know this may be the first you're hearing about the Boston event, but we are coming to your area. Information for both of these tournaments can be found at deliverycrab.com slash tournaments. That's deliverycrab.com slash tournaments. If you go there, you'll find all the information about times, dates, locations. You'll see two links there. The first one is to sign up on the lightseekers.cards website. You'll need to sign up there so we can track your progress on the day of the event. But then we also need you to go and pre-register. The second link is going to take you to a page where you can pay your registration fee. And if you wish, you can choose the special pre-registration bundle, which is not only going to take care of your registration fee, but it's going to give you a discount on the exclusive playmat that you can pick up on the day of the event. And it will give you a 20% off coupon to use on singles. But the catch with that coupon, once again, is you have to order ahead of time and pick the cards up at the event. Like I said, all the details can be found at deliverycrab.com slash tournaments. But if you still have any questions, please feel free to contact me, Facebook, Twitter, email, whatever works best for you, you can get a hold of me. I don't think there will be a lot in the way of show notes for this episode, but the show notes can be found at deliverycrab.com slash 040. It's com slash 040. So now it's about the time. Let's dive into the interview. Welcome back to the show, Lance. How are you doing tonight? Great. Thanks for having me back on. Glad you could make it. So there have been a lot of things going on with Lightseekers over the past few weeks, months that just haven't been able to talk about on the show yet. And so I invited you on. You're familiar with my format. You're familiar with my show. You're familiar with the community and everything that's been going on. So I figure you'd be a good guy to talk to. So one of those things is we had the U.S. Nationals at Gen Con. Now, for those, I mean, to be perfectly honest, this was my first visit to Gen Con, but... I at least kind of knew what it was, and I've been to similar conventions. But for anybody who out there who might not know exactly what's going on, could you explain what Gen Con is? Well, if you ask Gen Con, they say they're the best four days in gaming. <laughs> they they uh, would tell you that. Yeah. And I, I'm a little biased being local to the Indianapolis area myself. So Gen Con is all I've really ever known as far as gaming conventions go. But, you know, it's a gaming convention that runs from Thursday through Sunday, and it just about shuts down downtown Indianapolis. Um, I can tell you the locals don't don't come down to Indianapolis <laughs> at all. Everyone sort of avoids that section of the city because at this point it, it takes up the convention center, which is a pretty good-sized convention center. Mm-hmm. Um, you won't find hotels in the city. And as of the last 
two years. I don't think they did this three years ago. I think this has just been this year and last year. They also rent out the stadium that the Indianapolis Colts play in, and you can actually go in and play games right there at the bottom of the stadium where... Yeah, I I only got to walk through that part of it once, and I, I didn't actually go down into, like, onto the field, but... Do, so they actually play like are they holding tournaments there or is that more demos or what, what exactly are they doing over there? You know, I've only been there a little bit uh, because I guess I'm so accustomed just to hanging out at the convention center. Yeah, that would make sense uh-huh. if it's, it's a newer thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think last year they did uh, some LARPing in there. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, Magic runs some things there. I'm trying to remember, there were some other big name games that, that happened there. Sure. I, uh, I suppose they needed more space. Well, and space has been an issue uh, for a while. Uh, and some of the game companies have gotten creative. I know last year there was a big thing, I think, with Munchkin where they, they rented a bar and they had <laughs> a special night where you could go and, and hang out. And some of my friends went to that. So people have been getting creative with space for quite a while. Sure. In Indianapolis. And I know Gen Con hasn't always been in, Indi- in, in Indianapolis. It used to be. Somewhere, I think, closer to where you're at. Absolutely. It used to be in Lake Geneva. That's where the name comes from. It was the Geneva Convention. Uh, uh, well, see, you know more about the history of Gen Con than I <laughs> I, I, I know about the history. I, I, I don't know much since it's moved to, to Indianapolis. I mean, that was back in the 80s, I think. Late 80s was when it moved over there. Uh-huh. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's it was started by Gary Gygax, um, the the creator of D anD D. He started Gen Con in Lake Geneva. But then, yeah, it, it it I think it basically just kind of outgrew. Like they moved it to Milwaukee for more space. They but then eventually, yeah, like you said, space has kind of always been an issue for them, <laughs> even from the beginning. But it, it kind of blows my mind that you say they still have space concerns now because the Indianapolis Convention Center, that is, I guess I don't have exact numbers, but it felt like the largest convention center that I've ever been in compared to like PAX West, PAX East, PAX South, where where they hold those. All of those seem smaller. Now, many of those are like multiple floors. I I believe PAX West is either like four or... Are they six floors? It, 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 it's some ridiculous number, and it, it, it's a pain to keep track of where things are sometimes. But uh, just it, it just felt like Indianapolis was so much bigger than anything else that I've ever been to. So to to know that you know they, they had to expand into the stadium kind of tells you how, just how big this this convention actually is. Yeah, it's massive, and I think there are some of the things that they do to make it feel bigger. It's sort of like that Disney's force perspective kind of thing. <laughs> you noticed how you tried to walk through the convention center. It probably felt like a maze. Mm-hmm. And that makes the convention center. And it's a big convention center. I mean, it takes up a, a sizable amount of space. But I think the way you have to maze your way through to get to different things, whether you're going to the events hall or whether you're um, going through the exhibitions or, you know, or yeah, number of things. Because you have to walk. Yeah, you, so, you, you you can't take a direct route to where you want to go a lot of times. Right. Like, yeah, you have to make a couple of turns. And so, yeah, you, I can see Which that. For crowd control. Yeah. Right? Because they had a direct line through. You'd never get through there. Yeah. Because and, it crushes. 
and that that's something that surprised me a little too is like when i got there and like i i've been told many many times that like there's gonna be so many people there and i know from my experiences at um i I think that probably the closest comparison i had was when i went to e3 out in la Mm -hmm. and I, I think they they probably get somewhere between ten and twenty thousand people a day, and like people were like the first time I was there, I, keep, I kept hearing people saying like, "Wow, this is so crowded," and maybe compared to other years it was, but I didn't feel like it was super crowded. Like I wasn't like shoulder to shoulder with people all day. You that's what you heard at at Gen Con. Well, well, that, that's, at that's what I heard at E three. Okay. And and so when I when I had that in mind, like I kept hearing that Gen Con was gonna be very crowded as well. But knowing what I knew from other conventions, I'm like, well, I, I bet you it's not gonna be that bad. Like, yeah, there's gonna be thousands upon thousands of people there at any given moment, but there's enough space for them. Like they plan for this. That and they're they're the beneficiaries of some of the city planning that happened as they led up to Indianapolis hosting the Super Bowl. Mm. So they redesigned part of the downtown area. They opened up some streets that were drivable streets, and now they're not. So where the food trucks were at, that used to be, it's still drivable a little bit. But, you know, Georgia is now sort of an outdoor event space is really what it is. I, I know they had a big event there uh this past weekend it was a another big thing downtown and my wife and i were eating down down at one of the restaurants and they were just i don't know if it was a bowl convention or something because there were just foam and bubbles flying everywhere <laughs> with that space that, that you can expand out to and because they're in some of the local uh surrounding hotels and in you know at lucasville stadium it does help with crowd control definitely because, yeah, well, well there, there are always people, you know, in the convention halls. Like, there's always going to be people in the hallways between locations. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I mean, I think expanding into the stadium was a genius move because while the buildings are connected via the under, that underground walkway, mm-hmm. it, it's a rather lengthy walk. So anyone that's traveling to and from... Like they're they're gonna be out of the way for a while. Well, yeah, I mean it depends. If you're a local, you you're probably parking at either the stadium or the zoo, so you're walking that anyways. That that's one of our secrets. We, we hold on to that until after, after the convention. So now we have a general idea of what Gen Con is. Uh, it, it's all board games, card games. I don't think they really do video games so much, like a lot of the other conventions that I've been to. But Light Seekers. They first showed up last year. I think it was kind of their, their first big event that they were at. You, you were there for that, right? I was. That's how I was introduced to Lightseekers. Okay. There are, there are some obvious differences between their showcase from last year and what they put out this year. Could you give me a quick comparison? Sure. Well, and a lot of that's related to the change in focus that I think PlayFusion as a company has underwent over the last year. That's a very good point. So last year they were over in that same section of the exhibition hall that they were for the new Warhammer Age of Sigmar mm-hmm. uh, champions game. And though the, the focus was definitely, I mean the game, the card game was definitely highlighted. I mean, there was, there was area to do uh, yeah. card modes and things like that. Though 
the toys were still a main focus of the company at that time. So they had the VR station set up where you mm-hmm. could toys and you could fly, do the flying thing on the app. And they had the TV set up. They had a, a good sized area that was selling the toys and the cards and things like that. But they had a lot of real estate devoted to other things. You know, they're really pushing the RPG app at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I think the card game, while it was definitely promoted and it was definitely drawing attention, I don't, I don't think that, that that was what they thought it was going to. It was not going to be as big as they thought it was going to be. Yeah, I, I mean, you make a good point too that like they, they were pushing basically the the video game side of things, which I I just got done saying like that's not something Gen Con is really known for. It's not something I would go there for. That, that I mean, did you did you spot the halls? I mean, there were sections. That that's dedicated for video games. It's always had a presence there. Sure. Like and Blizzard was there this year, and yes. in a much better way than they have been, at least in my my memory. Yeah, um, and, and I think w- with things going mobile, like they're getting into a little bit more because it's more portable. At the same time, Gen Con, I've always thought of it as a board game convention. Yeah, and I think that's how Gen Con sees itself. Yeah, it, first and foremost you're going to play games there, yeah. which I think has been a big draw for me. I mean, that's why, you know, I've been to things like C2E2 and, and some other comic book conventions, but the first time I went to Gen Con, the thing I walked away the first day saying is, I can't believe how many board games I played today. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's, that's where you get the differentiation with like the PAX conventions, where mm-hmm. in my mind, they started out with a little more of a video game focus and spread slowly into board games, whereas Gen Con's kind of going the other way. And that's why, you know, I mean, that's why we now have, you know, PAX Unplugged that's come up again in November here that is solely board games, which is going to be a little more direct competition in my mind with Gen Con. But that, that, that's because it, you know, it, it just grew so big. From mm-hmm. from their other conventions, like the board game side of things, so it it, it it makes sense that Gen Con can obviously thrive on mainly with a focus on board games. That doesn't surprise me, but yeah, I, I guess I I was it, it would surprise me a little bit more to see a company going there with a focus on a digital aspect. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think they would get lost and and sort of all the chaos of of Gen Con. Mm-hmm they had that focus if they didn't have any sort of nod to to gaming yeah board gaming in in some sense but yes like like you said then with play fusions refocusing over the past year to really put all their attention on the tcg now it totally makes sense for them to be at gen con and i i think it's safe to say they had a much bigger presence than they even had last year they certainly had a bigger footprint. I mean, yeah. they were all over the conventions. <laughs> so, I mean, because they had three different spaces. Yep. They had the, the Age of Sigmar one, which was over close to where they were last year. And then in the sort of children's friendly section, mm-hmm. uh, they had the Lightseekers booth. Yep. And then they had a big space over in the events hall, yep. which they were not in the events hall last year at all. And obviously they needed space because it was going to be nationals. Mm-hmm. You know, they wanted to have a place to to run some more in depth demo. You know, not so much demos, but starter events and yep. 
just play events. Yeah, just, just other events that the, the TCG players have come to expect, I guess, at these conventions now, since they've been doing them at, at all the other conventions throughout the year. And yeah, they needed space for that because that that's not going to happen in, in the, the exhibition hall. No, there's just not the space for it there. Yeah. I mean, that is strictly demoing and selling. Yes. Yeah, that's where we spend all of our money. <laughs> that's where, <laughs> I know that's where all my money went. Sure. Uh, but it was interesting to see that shift from promoting games to playing games mm-hmm. at Gen Con. I would say that it definitely changed the amount of time I spent doing certain things. Gen Con for me is usually... Um, I always work Gen Con. That's something that I enjoy doing okay. uh, on some level because, well, one, I don't like the big crowds. I'm, I'm not typically a person who goes to things like concerts and things like that because I just don't care for those large crowds. I but understand. I, yep. I've always felt like working a convention, I, I get to acclimate mm-hmm. to sort of environment. And I just like running games. I love playing games, and it's fun to teach teach new games. And so part of my time is always spent teaching, but – the rest of the time, usually roaming and going around and checking out exhibits and demoing a bunch of games. And I didn't do as much of that this year. I was at the, the Light Seekers booths a lot. <laughs> that, was, that was basically all I did. Yeah. That, as I've been going to more and more conventions, I found like, you know, the, the conventions kind of start to feel the same. And so mm-hmm. if, if there's not some game you specifically want to look at, like, I just kind of walk by most of them. And then I find myself just spending the time at the Lightseekers booth. Like, that's what I do. Like, th- this year was a little bit different at Gen Con because my parents came along and they had some game demo appointments set up. And so I, I, I went along on a couple of those to see what they were, uh, which games they were learning this year. But other than that, w- when I wasn't hanging out with them, I was pretty much always at the Lightseekers booth. So I fully understand that. Which I guess speaks to how involved this game has become and mm-hmm. my attention, you know, <laughs> which it's funny, you know, I haven't talked to anyone on the team to see how this was different from last year. I know last year when it came to, to getting people in, people were so hooked by Lightseekers that I think they had to go around all the local Toys R Us's and basically buy their own product. I, I did hear that. Yeah, they they, yeah. they sold out of all the product that they had brought to Gen Con. And so, yeah, they bought out all the Toys R Us's in the, in the surrounding area to have more product for the show. Right. Uh, and a lot of the shop owners saw the toys and things going like hotcakes. And so they, they began ordering them for, so for a while, a lot of the local shops had, yeah. had toys. And then if you waited like six months, you could get them on the cheap. <laughs> they were <laughs> ready to offload those. Yep. But yeah. So what was your experience of Gen Con? I mean, coming in with sort of fresh eyes, yeah, I mean, like I said, it. I didn't want to hype it up too much just because, like, I mean, I, I wanted to kind of experience it from my own perspective as opposed to what other people told me. I, I think kind of hitting the complete convention circuit this year, at least in my eyes, like, I hit every PAX. I know I didn't hit PAX West last year. Okay. Almost every PAX. And then just visiting other stores for light seekers throughout the year. Like I, I had a lot more connection with the gaming community that I, than I have in the past. And so by the time I got around to Gen Con, it just kind of brought it all together. I'm like, okay, it's a little bit bigger. 
there's a few more people here, but essentially this is the same thing I've been doing all year. Like every two to three months, I'm at a convention doing this thing, hanging out with the Light Seekers folks, exploring the rest of the convention and doing it all over again for three or four days in a row. And it, it's a great time. I think Gen Con is probably one of my favorites overall. I'm not entirely sure if I can nail down why right now, but I just felt that I enjoyed it more than some of the other conventions I've been to. I'll have to, yeah, think, I'll have to think about that one. Yeah, and I'll be interested to hear, hear your experience with that because you and I talked about this before, that I have not attended mm-hmm. gaming, well, other big gaming conventions. I mean, little stuff, yeah, but... And so I understand how conventions work, but I also, in my mind, gaming conventions are a little different. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, we're not going to get into too much on this show, but like the one big difference I know I've brought up with you is the Gen Con ticketing system. Yes, and if you if you're playing games or even even just demoing some games, like they require tickets. If they're, I, I, I is it just if they're in the event hall? Is that when they require it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's because like a lot of them like required tickets, but they were free. I'm like, that doesn't really make sense until like I got there, saw how it worked and then had a few people explain it to me. But like I said, that that's a topic for another time. <laughs> if we really want to get into it, that that that's the one big difference that I, I, I can give you that you will not have to deal with at any other convention that I've been to. Yeah. And just planning that in your head. Yeah. Because when I'm budgeting my convention. I just go ahead and in my, my head, I have a budget for tickets. Sure. And I, I guess I've done it so long that I haven't thought about, you know, whenever, when I was hanging out with a bunch of you guys at, and you were sort of asking me, Oh, we have to get tickets for this. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, why wouldn't you get tickets? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's how conventions work. What are you talking about? I've been indoctrinated by Gen Con that this is how things mm-hmm. are. You're a local, you're a local. <laughs> Well, yeah. So, so we'll just have to confuse you when you we drag you out to another convention sometime. Yeah, so I won't know. We we just walk up and play. It's okay. Yeah, you guys are gonna have to lead me around, and we can. <laughs> the the other big thing that uh, has happened recently with Lightseekers, besides the nationals, was the <laughs> the digital app was released, and that's something we saw people playing a lot of at the convention, which kind of seemed weird. You, you you would be walking around and see people just sitting at the tables and they'd all have their phones out and be sitting there. It's like, why aren't you playing with physical cards? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. like I, I, I mean, I, I think a big part of it was the app had just been released like the week, a week or two before Gen Con. I, I don't, I forget the exact date that it came out now. But yeah, it, it was still new and people wanted to play it. People were excited for it. People still are excited for it, but it was brand new. And so people didn't want to put it down, even though they're at a convention. Right. Which said how much we enjoy the app. Yeah. That it's that good and it's that solid that we wanted, we just wanted to be on it all the time. Mm-hmm. And didn't, I think, ranked opened at Gen Con. It started it, while it, it did. It did. I, like, it, I think it, it might have been the first day, even. And it's like, I think it was the second day because okay. Okay. Chris and I were talking, and he said, Oh, I pushed the button this morning. <laughs> and so I immediately downloaded, uh, updated yes, the Apple. Yeah. So, so for like, you know, like, three glorious hours. Yeah. You know, anyone was, that sat down, I'm like, Do you update the app yet? 
I'm like, no, why? Ranked came out. I'm like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, they proceeded to pull out their phone and update everything. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. But it was stuff. really interesting to meet some of the people that I played on the app. That's true. Face too. Um, you know, I just sort of ask them and say, hey, are you on the app? And they say, oh, yeah, I am. Oh, oh that's who you are. Yeah, we've played a few times. So. That, that's a good point. Since you haven't been to all the other conventions, like some people may not know, but ever since PAX Unplugged, yeah, PAX Unplugged last year in November was the first convention I went to that had lights, that Lightseekers was at. I've met a few people there. I, I, obviously, that, that was right around the time that I started this podcast. So some of the first people I met, you know, I I asked them if they wanted to be on the show. And so some of the earlier episodes are those people, right? But then those people started following me around to, they weren't necessarily following me, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) we all just happened to go to like the next PAX convention. I think so the next one would have been PAX South in January. And so a bunch of us that were at Unplugged went to South and we met up with more people that we knew from the Lightseekers community. And then a bunch of us, you know, ended up going to PAX East and this group just kept growing and growing and growing. And so by the time we got to Gen Con, th- there was at least a dozen of us, maybe more that have already met each other in person, been to all these conventions together and so Gen Con was just kind of another convention, another time to get together and hang out and play. And we, we kind of have these routines down. And then there's folks like you who we've been friends with online for a long time now. But this was the first time we finally got to meet you. And that happened with a lot of other people, too. But you were one of those people that, yeah, until you just mentioned, I've, I kind of forgot that. That was the first time we met. Yeah. And it's one of those that, I mean, since I have the opportunity to talk to you on the podcast and we've talked a couple times outside the podcast too, you know, whether it be video or just audio or just even texting or something in today's day and age, it's very possible to get to know people very well without actually meeting them in person. Right. It is. I mean, and when we were, you know, when we all, we, we went out to dinner mm-hmm. that, that last night and it was one of those things that my wife came came with us. So she brought the kids and we all, you know, we all went out and we were sort of talking about it. She's like, so we're going to go meet all of our internet friends. <laughs> and it's funny because, you know, some people like you and, you know, and Lifesaver and Bova, and, you know, and some others are people that I talk to some of you guys almost every day yeah. at this point. And so it's been kind of funny that, that we just had not connected in person. You know, yeah. Yeah. Like, to, to a, a semi outsider like your wife who who doesn't talk to us every day like i can see that like like i've had to explain that before i actually went to the the wedding of an internet friend uh-huh. like like i had met him like twice before in person but other than that we were just internet friends and so i had to explain that to to some of my other family members like wait so whose wedding is this <laughs> like yeah, it's this, this guy I hang out with on the internet, right? That's just more and more we're seeing that you can really form true friendships, true relationships yeah. online. And so when yeah. we get together in person, it's just an extension of that. It's, yeah, it wasn't it, weird. No, it was just another meeting. It's like, yeah, we, we got, I, I got to shake your hand, right? Like there was physical contact. But other than that, like it's just another day. 
Well, some of y'all are huggers. (laughs) It's true. A lot of us are. (laughs) But that that was the thing, you know, um, I guess my wife was a little bit primed for it ahead of time because, you know, any of you who know Lifesaver know that she's sort of an infectious person. Mm -hmm. And so whenever we sort of got connected, her and my wife got connected on Facebook and they talk frequently. So it wasn't like she came in. Completely blind. Yeah, completely blind. You know, she did, did know somebody and that food was so good. We were sitting, so that that helped. Yeah. But. Moving back to Lightseekers, though, the app was released shortly before Gen Con. Ranked came out while we were at Gen Con. First question: Are you still playing the app? I am. I, I play it quite a bit. Uh, I get on I, at least every day to try and hit some of the missions. Mm-hmm. That's I'm into Age of Sigmar. Okay. And I am playing that as well. So. That is cut into some of my Lightseeker's sure, time. Sure, you split your time a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's good to hear. I mean, th- those daily missions do do their job and keep bringing people back. That's for sure. They do. And part of it is because I've got some things that I'm working on for the channel and some things like that as soon mm-hmm. as Kendra gets released on it. But that and I just really enjoy playing. And in the level of play yeah. on the app has been, for the most part, pretty strong, especially in ranked play. Yes, there. I mean, for anybody who who hasn't played it yet, like there is a big difference between the decks you'll see in ranked play and the decks you see in casual play. People, like I don't know if it's just people taking the game more seriously, or if it's people who have been with the game longer, or are just saving certain decks for ranked play. What probably combination of all those things, but unfortunately. Testing a deck in casual play does not mean that it'll do well in ranked play. No, I think that speaks more to you learning how a deck operates. Yeah. And, you know, when you get into ranked play, it's not just simply best deck wins. Um, I know some, you know, I've seen some of that chatter on on Facebook and some other places that I think people feel that way. But if you really are getting up into some of the the topper levels, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. what you're seeing, the competitive level is that these are really top-notch players who know how to, even if they're surprised by something that your deck does, they know how to play against solid, solid decks. You know, they, they just do things that, <laughs> <laughs> that I don't do. Yeah. You know, well, well, I like, learn how to do. From, from time to time, I, do, I still see fairly unconventional moves, and it's not until after they're done with their turn, or maybe even two turns later, when I realize why they did that and like that, they, they, they have something in mind when they're doing it and they're doing it for a reason. And it's usually, you know, to save their own butt, but it, it, it seems not the norm sometimes, but like you said, it, it, it's not necessarily just about the deck. A lot of it, a lot of it comes from how good is the player. And that's always good to see. Yeah. And that's something that I appreciate because as I'm trying to be better of a player, you know, and be mm-hmm. better, building being pushed in those areas is a really great thing you know you really do get to play with some of the best you know not some of the best you you do get to get on there and play with the best in the world right now yeah and, and those are great learning opportunities yeah i don't think i walked away from any of those without going oh oh okay that that just opened my mind up to how tcgs work a little bit more it's true yeah and, and before the app was released like I got to play games occasionally, maybe a couple of times a week if I, if I was really wanted to get into it and get the setup and everything. But 
th- there were so many you know, webcams and getting time set up with different people and it just didn't it, it wasn't simple right and that's right. what the app has given us it, it it's given us a simple way to connect with other people it's given us a simple way to create decks it's given us a simple way to modify decks that I mean, that's one of the most satisfying things even if you have your cards set up systematically at home it would take significantly longer to you know pull out a binder find the card you're looking for pull it out pull out the card you're replacing unsleeve it resleeve it. all this all these little ticky tacky things just to change one card right in the app yeah. it's like three clicks right and then you <laughs> and then you can go play again and have you gotten to the place yet where you've put in some of your physical decks on there and then made a change it forgot to go back to your phys- physical deck and made made that change mm-hmm I showed up to organize play last week with one of my decks and <laughs> like ver- version 1.0. Like, yeah. One of the there said, Hey, I really want to, I really want to test against this deck. And so I pulled it out. And as, I, as I'm playing, I'm thinking this is all wrong. Yeah. Like this, this is, this doesn't work. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, and like you're saying, like that's something that casual is really good at is mm-hmm. catching like I said, you, you might not get the most competitive decks to play against, but just making sure a deck works, making sure you don't run into that hand where you have absolutely nothing you want to play. Right. Like that, that's what it's good for testing. Having the app at the ready all the time, it, it's rare that you can't find someone to play against. I know there's going to be some people out there who are in the very top tiers of the ranked play. And I know it can take a while to find a game, but that's because you are in the top tiers and there's not many of you up there. That's why it takes so long. But for us peons down below you, I I, I have yet to run into a situation where like there's just no one to play against. If if you really can't find anyone in ranked, just jump into casual, play a game or two, jump back into ranked, you'll find someone. The app has really opened us up to the world because there are people who are digital-only players. There's people who have found the game because of the app they they don't own any physical cards and we're getting into countries where they don't have the opportunity to buy cards and now they want to which is good and bad i guess you could say for the game and like it's i'm glad people are finding out about the game and want to buy the cards but yeah it's probably going to take a while to get to their get the cards into their country unfortunately i'm sure that's always been a challenge with tcgs you know, we can look at some of the big top, you know, the top five and say, well, they do it now. They've had the time to get those systems into place. That's something I don't know, because I don't know the history of these games and I don't know how they looked when they started and how fast they spread and that, that type of thing. It just feels like because PlayFusion is a smaller company and they're handling just about everything on their own, mm-hmm. like it, it, it's taking longer than some of the other companies because like something like... Well, Hearthstone is a bad example because they don't have physical. So yeah, I I, I couldn't tell you what, what one of the more recent ones is, but I I know that a lot of them tend to be working with existing IPs, and so they have connections already like worldwide, and so that's something they can dive into a little bit faster maybe than Play Fusion because they started with their own IP, literally starting from the ground level. Absolutely. And this might be something that's been helpful to them partnering with uh, Games Workshop Mm -hmm. because, you know, obviously Games Workshop's been around for a long time. They have developed some of these relationships that 
might be helpful. I don't know. I'm obviously not in any of those conversations. So <laughs> I don't, but you know, those are the sorts of things that I think would be helpful to a small company. So what's your favorite part of the app right now? The ranked play. I think that's definitely my favorite part. It's the, what I try and play the most at. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm torn between just the pure accessibility and ranked play because I, you know, I got to play a lot more than, than you were mm-hmm. having weekly play, you know, sometimes more than once a week. Yeah, yeah, you had the local group going, so. Yeah, that was helpful. But getting to play competitive play, you know, sometimes I, I was going and playing in places that they're still developing that. You have a lot of new, newer kinds of players. One thing that I've enjoyed is that I get to play my favorite kind of deck. I know it's not in vogue right now. I see the comments. <laughs> Last fall, when I learned that mill decks were a thing, uh-huh. that is all I've built. And I think you've played against just about every variation that I've come up with. It's very possible. Since, since last fall. But getting to play that consistently um, and actually learning how to make something that can actually do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and personally, I, I have no problem with Mildex, especially the way you build them. Like, I love what you do with them. I love that you make them work and on a rather consistent basis. Like that, that's, that's something in my deck building as I've gotten to experiment more with the app, like I, I, I can build a deck with an idea in mind, but it might happen, you know, one out of three times or one out of 10 times. And I'm like, that's just not going to cut it. Like I need something that's more consistent. And so regardless of the strategy behind the deck, the fact that you can make it consistent is something I admire. Yeah. I- I appreciate that. I, I don't feel that I'm there. Uh, maybe that's just because I'm what I'm after and, and what I'm trying to learn to do. I just don't feel like I've, I've arrived sure. at that yet. So I think I'm getting closer. Some of the things that I do is helped with that part of, you know, whether it's doing YouTube videos about odd builds and just trying to find weird card connections that are fun to play. Or one of the things that I've been doing with my players is that they are allowed to build decks for me, and then I play whatever they build with a couple variation tweaks. Okay. So that's helped me learn how to go, oh, I can quickly look at a deck and figure out if it's going to to work for me well enough. Basically, that means I look at a Dread deck and say, this isn't going to work for me at all because I'm an awful Dread player. But <laughs> You're a dreadful Dread player? Uh, oh, man, that's awful. I love it. <laughs> that's so good <laughs> yeah i i think the app has helped with that though being able to quickly figure out this doesn't work or this does work instead of trying to play myself or wait for a time that someone could be online yeah that makes sense uh, i I'd, I'd ask you where you are i think you could share it on the podcast i know where you are because i stalk you on the app so i always <laughs> what you're doing but what's your favorite part the ranked play is really what's got me hooked right now but i mean just favorite piece of the app like i like i said it has to be the ease of deck building and and allowing things to switch that that's something that kind of held me back a little bit from the physical play like not only did i have to set up the system to like i i didn't have a webcam set up all the time so if I wanted to play with someone, I had to set all that up each time I, I wanted to play. But then on top of it, like my decks just were not working for me. And so if I wanted to play with someone, I basically had to create a new, new deck every time. But now I can go into the app and I, I have multiple decks created. I have I, I can make changes on the fly between games. I can 
just it, it's so much easier, simpler, faster to get into the game and get through games that I get to play a lot more. Yeah. Have you been taking advantage of some of the the stuff that's out there that people are able to do now that you can do? You know, they have the app to be able to record or stream. Have you been like watching some of the streamers and things like that? I've, I have been watching some of them when I have time or if they're streaming at a good time. It It's interesting to see how many people have gotten into that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of surprised at how many people jumped at that opportunity, but I can't complain. I think it's all good. I, well, I do too. You know, it, it's helpful to hear their mental process. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, and, and I mean, that's what some of the good streamers that I've seen, at least good in my opinion, is they talk through what they're doing and why they're doing it. It's one thing to read off the card and explain what it does or how it works, which is going to be good initially or when a new set comes out and it might not be a card that everybody knows. But really why I'm, I'm watching personally is to kind of grow and get better at the game. And so mm-hmm. watching top-tier players and figuring out why they do what they do and why they play certain cards in certain situations or why they even have certain cards in the deck in the first place is hugely beneficial for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's been helpful to me as well. You know, and then it's at opening up the advent of, of coaching and some things like that, that I think sure. it would uh, probably end up shaping competitive play in some interesting ways. Cause I think, you know, we'll see competitive play continue to, develop and do its own thing so that'll be interesting to watch yeah and i think the app is going to play a big role in that it definitely will because i mean like i said not not only the accessibility of the game but allowing people to test because not only can you test against random people but i mean you have the ability to just match up with your friends and say you know there's there's no chat built into the app but obviously you have other ways of connecting and so you can tell them like you know yeah i want to test against this deck or you know why you you can talk to them during games after games and just have these private matchups if you want but still be using the app to do it well i know a number of people were doing that leading up to the morning of nationals yeah yeah i mean i had someone message me (laughs) When I woke up and said, are you awake? Can you hop on <laughs> something right now? <laughs> yep. So yeah, all in all, I think the, the app has been doing very well for the game. And I can't wait to see where it goes. Obviously, as of this recording, we are all still waiting on Kindred to be released in the app. But that's just because Kindred introduced a lot of new cards and a lot of new interactions that weren't there before. And that has obviously been wreaking havoc on the programming. So I know yep. they'll take care of it. I'm not in a hurry. Yep. It's, I, you know, I want a good product. Yeah. And I'm, I'm willing to wait. I know it, you know, it definitely affects the, the YouTube channel because <laughs> some of the work that I've done, that's ready to go. Has been based around Kindred. Some, some app stuff and it's waiting on Kindred, which is fine. I mean, that's, that's not a, not an issue. I would rather wait on that <laughs> to get yeah. season kicked off. Yeah. So and have- same, same thing here. I'd rather, I'd rather have a complete, working product as opposed to a broken product where you run into a bug every other game. So that they, I I trust them. They know what they're doing and we'll get the cards eventually. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt about that. Like they will figure it out. 
it's not stopping us, right? We're going to keep playing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, like you and I just both went over. Like we, we still play every day regardless of whether Kindred's out or not. So they're they're doing all right. All right, Lance. Well, thank you for coming on to talk over some of the the new happenings in Lightseekers. There's going to be a lot more to come, I'm sure. And I'm sure we'll have you back on the show at some point. But it was great to meet you in person at Gen Con. We will be meeting you. Well, actually, I may or may not be meeting you again for this. But we will be having a delivery crab event down in your neck of the woods that you're going to be helping us out with down in November, I believe, is when we planned that for, right? November 3rd, down in the Indianapolis area. If you're anywhere nearby... Put it on your calendar, November 3rd. We'll have details for you soon. But yeah, I think that's about all we have for this week. So once again, Lance, thank you. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. So there you have it. We're a little more caught up now on what's been going on with Lightseekers, conventions, app, all that good stuff. And like we mentioned at the end of the episode, we do indeed have a Delivery Crab tournament coming to the Indianapolis area. So in addition to Wisconsin and Boston, we can now add Indianapolis to the calendar. Once again, all the information for these Delivery Crab tournaments can be found at deliverycrab.com slash tournaments. We've got a lot more to announce in the coming weeks, so keep an eye on that page. That's all we got for now, so until next week, sign up for those tournaments, and I got some more deliveries to make.